Hey, good evening out there, Missouri fans. Welcome to, well, I mean, good evening out there to everybody, even if you're not Missouri fans. <laughs> but if you're watching this, I'm going to assume that you are more inclined to be a Missouri fan uh, than a fan of some other team. But maybe you've come for our analysis of Tennessee's cash delivery system or Alabama's dynasty in college basketball. If so, we can talk about that. But uh, this is the last Wednesday night show where you will see uh, Mitchell Forty sitting in front of a big white wall because we're making studio enhancements over the next uh, next few weeks. Mitch, what's up, man? Not too much. Excited for my backdrop. Yeah, yeah it's a big day. Uh, big day around uh, the Power Mizzou studios. So uh, before we get going, we'll pay the bills and let you guys know about 573tees.com. You go there, go to their website. If you go through the link on our story page uh, at Power Mizzou, that is on the front page. Many bypass that and go straight to the message board. You can't find the link on the message board. You've got to go to the story on the front page. If you go through the link there, you're going to save 10% on your first order. They've got chief stuff. Uh, there's a rumor hockey season's going on. I think you can probably get some blues stuff, plenty of Mizzou stuff, uh, which, hey, for the first time in a while, it appears you're going to be able to well wear well into the month of March. Um, so that that's good. Um, go buy some of their stuff, support them. They've helped us out a lot over the last year or two, and they allow us to do this show every Wednesday night and hang out with you fine people on the internet. We've already got quite a few comments coming in in the chat. We will certainly get to those. Um, Mitch, we were talking in our uh, extensive pre-show meeting that um, a day that we kind of didn't really think was going to be very busy all of a sudden became pretty busy this morning. Yeah, it did. Uh, had a, a recruit uh, class of 2022 football player receiver out of Kansas City area commit and then had uh, news that defensive line coach Brick Haley is moving on after four years at Mizzou um, and uh, all signs pointing to a defensive coordinator hire rather soon. So yeah. had to do some work on that front as well. Yeah, so uh, all of that we will get to, certainly. Let's start, I, I guess, with basketball because it's the one thing that uh, – I mean, old news last night, um, you know, but um, Missouri has played uh, two, I, I think, well, one and a half really good games in a row. I, I don't know, mm -hmm. last night, best game of the season, most complete game of the season? Yeah, it's got to be up there at least against. I mean, like, you know, it's not as probably I don't know if you're not beating a team like Illinois or Oregon and they they probably they might have played almost as well against Oregon. But uh, yeah, if you're just talking about pure, uh, you know, Mizzou uh, rating, I guess I don't know how, how that would be measured. But uh, yeah, like not taking quality of competition necessarily into account, I think probably so, um, you know, jumped out to a fast start, led wire to wire, led by double digits the whole second half. Take that in an SEC game every time. Yeah, we were talking talking about last time we did this show Missouri was still on break and I was talking on, on another show I did earlier today uh, somebody said you know do you think the break was good for Mizzou I said you know what I think was good for Mizzou was playing Texas A&M coming off the break that is what I would recommend yeah. to every team that goes on COVID break see if you can schedule a game in college station for your first game back just kind of dip your toe in the water before you really get going Right, like going on break and missing LSU might have been good, but going on break and missing Vandy maybe not so good. <laughs> exactly, because Vandy honestly may never play sports again. 
Like all of oh, yeah, no, their women's basketball team has opted out of the season. The men's basketball team just continues to not play. South Carolina hadn't played very much. And I, I was actually kind of surprised when I started looking at it, just a with the talent they had and B to find out kind of the expectations for South Carolina coming into this season were NCAA tournament and maybe top four finish in this league. I mean, they do have talent. I like Frank Martin as a coach, but just, their season's been so messed up that I, I don't even know if you can judge what they are. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, they played games at less than full strength. They had a game where, you know, Frank Barton wasn't even there. Um, they've only, they've had seven games canceled. So it's hard to, it's, you know, it's hard to say, but um, I mean, you know, that that's still a team that's going to win some SEC games. You know, Frank Martin's teams are never, you know, the very right. bottom of the standings. So, uh, you know, it's it's certainly uh, it's certainly good to not only get a win but a comfortable one. And, and I mean, the crazy thing is, apparently, Kentucky's just maybe it's past the point where I should start saying, well, it's still Kentucky. They still got a lot of talent because they're losing to Georgia right now in the second half. They're going to slip to three and three, and if they lose that game, if they lose that game. Missouri at three and two is sitting alone in fourth place in the SEC. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I, yeah. I think, I think, you know, there's, I mean, clearly right now, one team that's kind of above the rest, but even then, you know, you could maybe say two or you, you, I think you can pick two or three teams that you think, okay, these teams are pretty safe bets to finish, you know, top four in the standings. And then after that, there's like, eight teams that are all going to end up within a couple games of each other, which is pretty normal for the SEC. Yeah, definitely. Like, I I mean, I think, you know, fourth through, through ninth, you might just be deciding that seating on tiebreakers come the SEC tournament. Or kind of like we talked about last week, like, I don't know, one team might be seven and seven, another might be nine and six, another might be Mm -hmm. 10 and nine. Who knows? We don't know how many games anybody's going to play. But, um, yeah, everything is kind of jumbled up in the middle. And, I mean, you mentioned the one team, Alabama. I mean, I guess the conclusion we come to is – that Stanford is probably winning the national title because Stanford beat Alabama in the non-conference by 18 points. Like Alabama did nothing in the non-conference. They lost to Western Kentucky. They beat Furman by three. And now all of a sudden, like they're the best shooting team in the history of organized basketball. Right. That, you know, it, it, it just kind of goes back to one of those things. Like when you make shots, you're mm. hard to beat and they're making shots at an, unheard of right i mean they made 23 three-pointers last night now they're they're a talented team they're well coached they're experienced and you know i've absolutely credit to nate Oates for kind of implementing that system um and getting them those shots but like you know they're probably not gonna in fact i think i feel very comfortable saying they're not gonna shoot like that all season right um on the same token though if if they do shoot like that they are i think kind of unbeatable i mean like truly maybe gonzaga could score with them um, you know, maybe Baylor could slow them down, but like if they're making 23 threes in the game and now LSU plays no defense at all ever, yeah. but still, I mean, in either that's sport. a, that's a very tough, uh, that's a very tough thing to stop. Bo Pelini is also Will Wade's defensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Alabama makes 23 threes. That is 69 points. I'm very good at math. Ole Miss scored 64 and one last night. Missouri scored 68 and one over the weekend. So uh, the Alabama hasn't game scored 69 be. points in a league game yet this year. Yeah, they're uh, they're poor. So, but but as far as Missouri goes, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to buy all the way into Jeremiah Tillman. But we are getting a bigger sample size than we've ever seen before that he can string this together. Yeah, I mean, like like you know. 
you you can you can stop short of saying, and I probably would saying like, oh, you know, he's playing at like a first team all conference level or or this or that, but like, I'd say he's Missouri's you know best player pretty clearly at this point. He's very clearly playing the best basketball of his career. Um, I mean, you know, I, I feel like I got a little bit better appreciation for it last night being able to be there versus watching on TV and, and just kind of getting to pay a little more attention how defenses, I mean, how much, you know, attention he draws from opposing defenses. I mean, there was not, you know, there, a couple times early he caught it against a single team, immediately scored. Yeah. From then point on, there was not a single time that, you know, even if there was only one guy kind of directly guarding him, there were always one or two others looking at him inching towards him, ready to help out. And that opens up, you know, shots that opens up driving lanes that opens up cutting lanes. Um, and he still scored through a lot of them and he was really active on the glass. He had 10 rebounds. He tipped uh, a couple other balls that stayed alive. He was really good on the defensive end. He had, you know, three blocks, three steals. He was guarding, you know, smaller, more agile players. And, and he had 3,032 minutes. Like, I mean, you, you know, basically you, you can't, I don't think you can ask for much more than we've seen from him these last few games. And, and you got to be happy for him considering Kutch kind of all he's battled uh, the last three years. Well, and I, I mean, like you said, it opens up shots and somehow, I, and I don't know how, cause I never thought this was possible. Missouri resisted the temptation to shoot 37, three pointer. I mean, shot 13 threes. That's a fine number. You know, when, when Tennessee beat them, I think they shot six Mississippi state beat them and shot seven. You don't have to shoot it just because they're letting you shoot it. In fact, if they're letting you shoot it, that's maybe an indication that you shouldn't shoot it. Right. They shot 13 threes. Mark Smith had five of them. I think Drew Smith had three or four. Those are your two best three point shooters taking the majority of your threes. That's how it should be. Yeah, absolutely. The right guys were taking the right shots. Xavier Pinson didn't play well, but like, look, there's one ball. Not everybody's going to play well on the same night. You get three or four guys playing well. I think you're in good shape. So they now go to Tennessee, which I I don't really know. I, I, I kind of uh, postulated that maybe Rick Barnes players were mad. They weren't getting paid. Um, and so they just refused to actually play against Florida. I don't know. They got destroyed by Florida. I think it was 29 points. And then uh, I'm not sure it's the best time to catch Tennessee because Rick Barnes is going to be on those dudes the next couple days. I agree. I mean, I assume you saw his, his post-game comments last night. Not exactly heard thrilled. About I believe he said he was uh, sick of his – sick. The, the watching the game made him sick. So, um, yeah, I think they'll have a few hard days of practice. Probably not, yeah, the, you know, the best time to uh, <clears throat> to have to go play them at, at Knoxville and obviously a team that uh, pretty well dominated Missouri the first time they matched up. Certainly Missouri played poorly, but uh, it is a tough matchup for Missouri. I mean, Tennessee is really good at defending the two and making you, you know, shoot from the perimeter, which, you know, we've discussed at length is not exactly Missouri's yeah. strength. They're balanced, um, so you can't just take one thing away. Like, you know, another thing last night, Missouri was really able to take away those two guards, uh, Lawson and Cuisinart, and, and they I think they averaged 31 coming in, scored 11 last night. You can't do that with Tennessee. They've got five or six guys who can beat you um, and, and can do it from the mid-range and the two-point area. So, yeah, I mean, it's a tough matchup, but, um, you know, I would think that at a minimum, the expectation would be that it's not over six minutes in like it was the last right. time these two teams. Right. 23 to four, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And and <laughs> actually, though, I think the bigger game this week is the one Tuesday night at Auburn. Because Auburn, mm-hmm. like they, 
they weren't very good to start out. And I'm not sure they're a great team, but they got Sharif Cooper and they're a lot better than they were. Yeah. Um, and so, like, look, if you go lose at Knoxville, okay, fine. You lost in, at Tennessee, preseason favorite to win the league. Um, you know, and, and it probably means you're not going to win an SEC title in all likelihood if you lose both games to Tennessee. But if you lose that one, it's okay. But the one at Auburn, I mean, it's also okay if you lose that one. It doesn't end the season. But you'd like to go, you want to avoid 0-2 weeks. And, I, you know, at Auburn, that's that's a game that I think most Missouri fans will go into saying, oh, well, they should win this one. I, I don't know, man. Auburn's a lot better than they used to be. Yeah, yeah, getting Sharif Cooper's been huge. Um, they still have some talent, too, around him. Um, you know, that can be a tough place to play, obviously, right now. You know, home road is not as big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I, I definitely think that's kind of, you know, verging on the territory of toss-up game. Um, you know, I bet I bet whoever's favored is only favored by, you know, one to three points, something like that. So, um, yeah, it, I think it's an important stretch coming up because, too, after those two, you have TCU in the, the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge. But after that, I think it's Kentucky and Alabama in some order, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, Kentucky, you know, then Alabama, both home games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – you know, those are that's four SEC games in a row where it's either favored to lose most likely against Tennessee and Alabama or kind of a toss up game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't want to be going on four in, in a stretch at any point if you have realistic expectations of being like a top four team in the league. So uh, we'll be a revealing stretch, I would say. So we'll move on to football in a couple minutes because that's what most of the comments and questions are about right now. And we, and we do see your comments. We're going to get to them, keep them coming, and, and I promise we'll catch up over the course of the show. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the Rick Barnes comment last night. That was that was one of the better comments uh, we heard last night. And then, uh, to me, the best quote we heard was Conzo Martin going, well, um, I watched tape of us playing last year, and I just go – why did I coach that way? That's not fun to watch. And I, I, I kind of wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, some of us have kind of said that for a couple years, you know? Um, but I, I guess it's, it's, and he was joking to an extent, obviously, but I think he's finally got a team, not only that's capable of playing that way, but that he trusts to play the way they're playing. And it's not like they're, it's not like they're 1992 Arkansas running up and down the floor, but I mean, they score 20 fast break points, and they're playing quicker. And it is, even in losses in general, like, look, throughout the Bradley game, and Texas A&M makes everybody look that way. But other than that, they have been a more entertaining basketball team to watch, win or lose, than they have been the last couple of years. For sure. Yeah, I distinctly remember writing a story at one point. Uh, I think it was last season that was basically like, it, it is very hard in college basketball to win every game in the 60s. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, no, also, I mean, I think it's, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I also remember it became just kind of a running thing that at some point during virtually every Missouri basketball game for two years, you would text me and say, I think this is the worst basketball game I've ever seen in person. Yeah. <laughs> at a certain point it did become a, uh, more of a, a, a yes, a running joke, but there were a lot where it qualified. It yeah. was some ugly basketball. Now to, um, to I, be I think, fair, you did not cover the Kim Anderson era. That's true. I was there for a lot of those games, though, so I still, you know, still saw it in person. But that was worse. There, I mean, there's no, yeah, obviously no discussion there. But, but not um, much I, less I, entertaining. No, that's true. I mean, it would. I don't know. It was less entertaining because at least like a lot of times the the Missouri teams the last couple of years, like while it was bad style of play, it was 
generally close. somewhat close. Yeah. With Kim Anderson's teams, it was like, okay, is it going to be over by the first media timeout or the <laughs> second media Every timeout? game was the Tennessee game. It was like 23-4. to four. Not bad. Scored a couple times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're still in pretty it, guys. Much, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, the single biggest thing I kind of attribute to – you know, Missouri looking so much, you know, better and having more success than they had the last couple of years is this this kind of willingness to go up tempo and take advantage of transition scoring opportunities. Um, I mean, that was huge last night. Missouri literally beat South Carolina in its own game. South Carolina wanted to get up and run, get up and down the floor and run. Uh, Missouri said, OK, you know, if you, you want to do that, there's going to be opportunities at the other end. And uh, they, they took advantage. And like you said, the, you know, a big part of it is, you know, yes, Missouri had 19 turnovers and that's too many. And they, they've had some turnover issues at times. But for the most part, they were pretty smart about taking their chances. You know, they, they have everyone on the floor is, is willing and able to run. I think having Jeremiah Tillman's running the floor ability has been been really important and something not a lot of teams can match from their center. And they they have guards like, you know, Drew Smith was really smart about kind of looking up the floor. Even Jeremiah Tillman had that really nice outlet pass at one point last night where, uh, you know, if, if the opportunity's there, they took it. If it wasn't for the most part, I didn't think they forced it. So certainly that just, you know, I think a lot of that comes with, like you mentioned, guys having experience in the system and, and having the coaches trust and knowing that they're not going to get yanked if one of those passes doesn't work out. Also, the the thing that I think Missouri should do more often is go ahead 10 to nothing. Um, yeah. I thought as Conzo astutely pointed out to a, a – and to be fair, he was asked the question. So he pointed it out in response to a question. Um, yes, I think getting out to a 10 nothing lead is helpful. I, I think that's a good thing. So uh, they should do that, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's Why much not? better I mean, than being behind 23 to four. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they should, yes, make their first six shots of the game or five shots of the game or whatever it was last night, every game. Next time I play golf, I think I'm just going to try to birdie the first six holes. That will make breaking par much easier. That's right. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still yeah. won't break I should, par. I can't believe I haven't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've, I've played golf for 30 years. I've never, never tried to do it that way. So, all right. So before we do move on to football, once again, 573tees.com, go check them out. Uh, go through the, the front page on our site. You save 10%. Uh, if, if you follow the, follow them on Twitter at 573tees, we, uh, we tag them in the show every week. They always retweet it. Uh, huge Mizzou fans running the show over there. So it, it, a lot of times, honestly, I see some things on Twitter because they've either retweeted it or, or liked it or something like that. So they, they see things that I don't even see sometimes. So, uh, you know, hey, they're helping us out maybe uh, maybe more so than we're helping them out. But we're trying to help you help them out, get them some, uh, some attention and, and have you guys head over there. So, uh, again, most of the questions are about football. So we're just going to kind of start to get into those. Multiple things happened in football today. So we'll start going through your questions and comments. And, and please feel free to add more to them. Uh, respond to anything we say while you're over there. Hit the like button on the uh, on the show. Maybe subscribe to the channel. Do all those things that that all the professional YouTubers say that uh, you should do. So uh, Bradley Heath says, "Do you expect the staff to be in place this week? Meaning, obviously, the coaching staff. Um, I expect a defensive coordinator to be in place this week." After today's developments, I'm not sure we expect a staff to be in place this week. 
Yeah, I would agree. It would it would be a uh, fairly quick turnaround to then hire a tenth assistant. And I know you know there's talk of uh, you know defensive coordinator maybe doubles as defensive line coach or has another guy in mind that he wants to bring in. But that still would be a quick turnaround to uh, to, to even if they're the defensive line coach, you you use that tenth assistant elsewhere. So uh, you know it'll take take at least a few days. And if the defensive coordinator does have a guy he's bringing with him, it's not going to be done in the same press release on the same day. It's not right, like right, right. it's For not sure. like they're going to say, hey, we're hiring uh, you know defensive coordinator Jim Jones, and then oh by the way, Bob Taylor here as defensive line coach is coming along too. It will be spread out. And um, and, and the other thing to think about is, you know. We talked about this some with Ryan Walters, and now that Brick Haley is leaving, and look, our impression certainly is, I have seen other, our initial report just said they're parting ways because we weren't sure, uh, but I've seen other reports, and my impression certainly is that this was Missouri's decision. Uh, this was Eli Drinkwitz's call uh, to to let Brick Haley go, so uh, two of the three holdovers are now gone. I, If he's not the defensive coordinator... I'm not sure we're going to guarantee that David Gibbs is is starting, right? Certainly not. Yeah, I mean, not going to guarantee it. Uh, you know, could he come back? Sure. I mean, would, you know, I I, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised right. if there's a spot for. I'm him not trying whatever, to drive yeah, him out, like, but right. But yeah, no, you, you'd be naive to say it's. Oh, certainly he's he'll be back. Uh, especially yeah, if he you know went through the process of trying to get this defensive coordinator job and it didn't work out. Yeah, because like, look, if he. If he has not named the defensive coordinator here, he knows the ceiling at Missouri is cornerbacks coach. Like, that's it. Right. It's not – I mean, this is your chance to be named D.C. Like, if you're not D.C. now, you're not going to be D.C. two years down the road. So, sure. he knows there's a ceiling here and might look somewhere else. Maybe not this year. And, again, we're not trying to kick David Gibbs out of town. He seems like a pleasant person. Has done a fine mm -hmm. job. You know, no issues with him, but we've been asked a couple times. And as far as the staff being in place, it really, I guess it's a little different this year because, like, the whole coaches convention probably isn't happening. That's where a lot of jobs right, right. usually yeah. uh, do. But there is no necessarily rush. Like, there are going to continue to be staff changes. I mean, Auburn mm -hmm. still has to hire coaches. South Carolina probably has to hire coaches because Auburn hired all their coaches. Uh, Tennessee's going to have to hire an entire coaching staff, you know, so there's yeah. going to be movement. NFL teams are not done yet. They are going to lose assistance. They are going to have to hire coaches. Some of them could come from colleges. So, you know, it, the, the coaching changes, they continue well into the spring. Right. I mean, I think we've kind of seen with this defensive coordinator search, it's not like it was, you know, like it's not like a head coach search where everything needs to get wrapped up in it, you know, a few days, ideally, like it, it, there was no huge rush to, uh, to get this done. And then, you know, as you move down to position coaches, I think the rush is even less because there's obviously more, uh, more available. And in fact, it's the exact opposite in college football. There is no rush to fill spots. There is a delay to make changes because you have to make sure you get past signing day and lock all these That's... kids into school for a year so that the guy who busted his ass recruiting them for 12 months can take off and go wherever he wants. It's that's right, not a, right. that's not an Eli Drinkwitz or Brick Haley or Missouri statement. That is across college football. And it is the main reason this one year transfer thing should 100% pass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my soapbox comment real quick. Uh, 
Adam uh, Adam Schlittler. I always have to look at your name, Adam, and make sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly, um, <laughs> not butchering it, because it's a lot of letters that look very similar on my screen. Um, but he wants to know, if Steve Wilkes is the hire, what would be your initial impression? In your opinion, how would he compare to the other candidates that uh, Football Scoop listed? So, first of all, um, you know, I, we don't know that anything's done. All we feel confident saying is that Steve Wilkes is a strong candidate and potentially the number one candidate. Um, I know Dave Matter reported there are three. Obviously, we know Gibbs is one. We know uh, Steve Wilkes is one. And then there is another one. I, I, we don't know who it is. I don't believe Dave knows who it is because he didn't write it in his article. Um, it is my impression among people that I've talked to that Steve Wilkes has kind of emerged as – Hey, this is this is the guy. I, I I would even go so far to say is if it ends up being David Gibbs, it, it probably means Steve Wilkes, you know, passed on the job, or they couldn't work something out, whatever it was. Um, I mean, I don't know. NFL head coach, what th two three years ago, and you hire him as the DC. He's he's got twenty five years of coaching experience. He's only fifty one. I mean. I think if you rise to, to the level of being an NFL head coach, somewhere along the line, someone has thought you know what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to go out and say, you know, oh, automatic slam dunk home run um, because it is outside of the box. It is a little different, but I, I would like it. I think it'd be a, uh, you know, it's it's unique. It's different. Like, you know, we've said this, you know, in it, many times either here on the message board or the podcast or whatever, but like, when you're in a school like Missouri competing in the SEC, you can't just go out and try to line up and do exactly what everyone else is doing. You know, you can't hire another former Saban assistant and try to run the Saban defense with like everyone else in the league is doing, um, unless you have the, the best players. Right. So, you know, I think I think it's you know I think it, it it could be a good idea to to you know yeah look outside of the box, get someone who has, you know, ex been exposed to a lot of different uh, you know teams and schemes in the NFL. Um, obviously has, can sell the fact that he was an NFL head coach, um, you know, worked under some guys like Ron Rivera and, and Sean McDermott, who are uh, pretty well-respected defensive minds. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's question marks. I mean, obviously he hasn't worked in the college game in a long time. He hasn't had to recruit in a long time. Um, you know, he hasn't stayed in one place at a very long time and he never has stayed in one place, um, you know, for more than a few years in college. But I, I think, you know, I think the, uh, the potential pros probably outweigh the potential cons in my mind. And coordinators too. I like, I don't want to say they're not important as a recruiter because everybody's job mm -hmm. is to get players in college football. Right. But I, I know that a lot of times in those, and I'm old enough to remember when people actually did leave town to recruit. You know, when when mm -hmm. it wasn't all done on FaceTime, but a, a lot of times in those in-season weeks when coaches are hitting the road, flying all over the country, a lot of times the coordinators don't go there. A lot of times they stay back right. in game plan, you know, so right. now it's a little different with Missouri when the offensive coordinator is also the head coach. But my point is, you know, that you want the first thing you're probably looking for is, hey, what schemes this guy run? How's it? How's his defense? X's and O's. And I. To me, the recruiting pitch for him is, hey, you guys all think you want to play in the NFL. Like, I've, I've been there for 20 years. I've been a head coach there. I know what it takes to get there. Um, and, look, the, the, the argument against that, I understand, that probably sounds a lot like what Lovey Smith told kids, right? And, and that didn't work <laughs> out. So it's not a guarantee that it's going to work, but that's the pitch. 
Right. And it's a little different when you're talking defensive coordinator versus head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, and, and also, I mean, you know, there's kind of a difference right now. And I, I think just the status of Missouri's program versus Illinois. I mean, the yeah. SEC is, is uh, a little bit more of a, a selling point as well. So. Yeah. And uh, Missouri has one more games. I, I think maybe that's what you were yeah. mostly getting at. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, I, I meant to put this in when we were talking about basketball, but our, uh, Mark Robinson is very excited that his guy, Sean Dewar Gordon was finally uh, is on campus and was on the bench last night, but I think you said not dressed out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him with my own two eyes. He's here. Um, As of last night, he was not listed on the roster, not in uniform. I think that is the plan for the rest of this season. Although no one told me that it's, I guess it's theoretically possible. Maybe he was, uh, you know, he's not like, hasn't passed all the COVID tests he needs to pass yet or something, but I assume he would be since he was standing with the right. team. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's more just, you know, he's around, he's practicing um, until, uh, you know, getting ready for next season, but, but not going to dress for the rest of the season. So uh, real quick while we're on this discussion, I, th- I do think one thing, I think one of the big reasons why is, because this season, actually, the fewer people you have in your travel party, the better. That's why Missouri has no walk-ons on the active roster this season. Because, you know, better chance someone gets it than gets on the team plane and your whole team has to quarantine for two weeks. Good point. And, yeah, I mean, that would – that. do you know – like, are the walk-ons still practicing? Are they still on the team or are they I, I not don't. even part of it? I, I, I mean, I think I, – I don't know. I, I haven't I seen them on I, the bench. I, I haven't asked. They're not at games. And they're not on right. the ro- – like, and, the, the game roster. I think they might still be practicing. I feel like they're like still considered kind of on the team because there was like a tweet about them earlier okay. in the off season or whatever. If you remember a few weeks before the season. So yeah. I have no idea. I haven't asked, but I, I well, the only reason that occurred to me was I got to tell you, man, if they told me, all right, look, you can show up to practice every day. There is zero chance. You're going to play in a game. You can't even sit on the bench. Like you can't be there, but we'd love to have you practice every day. But Oh, by the way, to do that, like never go out. Don't see anyone. Don't enjoy life at all, because we can't have the guys who actually play get COVID. Um, you know, I, I and again, like I'm, that may not be the case, but I'm just saying I wouldn't do it. But then again, I would yeah, never have walked might, on to begin yeah, with. Might, yeah, because <laughs> like true. they I, might not be practicing anymore. I don't know. I, I don't know if you've picked this up. I don't super like to work hard, so especially if it's not necessary. <laughs> so, uh, you know. That's that's kind of my approach. So uh, Josh wants to know, will Tennessee be able to field a team next year? This is obviously football related. And like, look, I appreciate. First of all, I want to say I think the McDonald's story is completely false. Like, I I think there is zero truth to it. And people I know who know a lot more about Tennessee have told me there is zero truth to it. Um, Look, I I love Dan Patrick on SportsCenter. I'm not sure when he became the authority for for breaking college football recruiting news. But um, so oh, let's get that out. Of, <laughs> yeah, let's get that out of the way first, that I don't believe that story. It has provided fantastic memes and comedy. Like, I, I appreciate that part of it very much. I am not at all above laughing at uh, Tennessee and its fans. Um, I, I find it very enjoyable. I, I like that they are uh, looking for a uh, coach. I saw actually the best thing I saw the day they fired Pruitt, I spent – some time reading the VolQuest message board because I like the misery of other people. And the best, the, the best post I saw, somebody said, should it be a requirement that our next coach knows what asparagus is? That, <laughs> that was my favorite. Probably. Yeah, I think so. Pull it out in the interview. 
because can you I, name the do a whole smorgasbord of vegetables can you name these vegetables you know what these are because like some of them might show up on the the play sheet you know that they flash That's on the sideline. but yeah. i would be willing to bet i don't know this for a fact but i would be willing to bet that no coach who doesn't know what asparagus is has ever won a national championship i bet every national championship uh, yeah, coach has chance. known what asparagus is yeah, I mean, I think that's a safe bet. I can't say you can't say for sure because I think I every know. human being on the planet who's not Jeremy Pruitt knows what asparagus is. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I, I didn't, mean, like Joe Paterno was born in like the 1500s. They might not have had it back then. I don't know. But I think asparagus existed at some point in his life. I bet he saw a picture of it. I mean, I think the <laughs> the subset of people who don't know what asparagus is is just Jeremy Pruitt. That's that's the only one. So. Yes. Um, but now that said, like there is a serious side of this, which is dude, Tennessee's in a whole hell of a lot of trouble. Like that thing is a, people are saying people that again, know a lot more than we do about Tennessee are saying multi-year postseason ban. I mean, they were already like top 10 in the country in transfer portal entries before the last couple days when they had four go in today, including their best player. I mean, Yes, they are going to field the team, but it is not going to be a good one, and it is not going to be a good one for a while. I mean, it already yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, one. like, right. It's it's just insane to me, like, you know, that basically in an effort to, you know, get out of paying $12 million or whatever it is, probably plus a little bit more, that's Jeremy Pruitt, a little bit more for the, the assistance they removed, they they absolutely torpedoed the program and I think made it a really hard sell for whoever's next. And yeah. that's why I think there's a pretty good chance that they, you know, promote Kevin Steele to interim for a year or I, something like that, maybe two. Um, because, yeah, like you're, you're talking about a program where, uh, you know, you you you're going to have a new AD. So you have to hire an AD. You don't, you know, you, you have to let, wait on that. You're already behind the, uh, behind the eight ball. As far as the coaching carousel, you've got, like you said, major NCAA sanctions that you basically just volunteered, uh, which also great. Their mascot pun there. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, the, and then you've got, you know, half your roster, most of your good players leaving for the transfer portal. And you've got the fact that, you know, any coach is probably going to say, well, you just basically found an excuse to get rid of right. your last guy and make him unhirable by, you know, throwing these NCAA sanctions at him. What if you're going to do that to me? Right. And then Tennessee will say, well, we probably won't. And they'll say, well, if you really want me, you'll make that assurance by giving me an extra million dollars a year. Right. I want so. $800 million to coach your team and yeah. sharks with laser yeah. beams on their heads. Right. Um, I mean, it's almost become radioactive. It's it's yeah. crazy to me that like I mean, Jeremy Pruitt was not a good coach. Like I always I always felt like he was. I mean, he, you know, he was kind of a, just a caricature. But yeah. I don't know if he was worth. Get, he needed to go I, that soon, that badly, that it was worth just making the program like dropping an a bomb on the program. I would like to say I'm extremely disappointed simply because Joe Wall Jasper can no longer write about his mask wearing habits. I mean, we've lost something there. Um, but yeah. also, uh, I, I mean. Any coach looking at the job is also, in addition to everything you just said, is going to say, oh, by the way, like you're freaking awful at football. Like when you could get good yeah. players, you're not any good. Um, I, I right. listed, I don't know if you saw in the mailbag and I don't want to read through it, but like I listed off all the programs that Tennessee fans would look at and say, well, they're a far worse program than us who have finished in the top 10 since the last time Tennessee did. Do you know the last time Tennessee had a top 10 season? I read it. I'd hit yeah. your bail pack. There uh, you it was go. 2001. 2001. I think, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I yeah. you were what? Five? 
something five or six uh, five or six yeah depending on when yeah i mean so you know you were going to freaking kindergarten when the last time tennessee (laughs) was in the top 10 um so it's been a minute and i think 100 percent what they have to do is just say kevin steals the coach like not even interim they have to say kevin steals the coach now they can maybe kind of work out a deal with him behind the scenes and say Look, we're going to publicly say this, that you're the coach. Now, this is just an interim deal. Like, we are going to reserve the right to to look around again next year because we gave you a soft landing spot after you tried to murder Gus Malzahn and take his job. You know, so it's cool. We're not going to promise you, but for public appearance sake, we have to make you the head coach. You, How could a guy who's an interim coach for a full year go on the recruiting trail? I mean, he's not going to sign anybody. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 th- I think that probably is the most likely scenario right now. I, I think, you know, it depends. I mean, like if you can get Billy Napier, you know, you probably do that. But I, why would he take that job? Unlikely. Right. I, I don't think he would unless he gets guaranteed like $10 million a year. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe Jamie Chadwell or something like that. You do it uh, now, but yeah, I think, I think, realistically their best bet will probably be and, yeah doing the like interim for a year thing but yeah i mean recruiting that i mean it'd be brutal to try to recruit. I, I, yeah, I think you just kind of have to accept that almost at this point like our team's going to be bad for like yeah. the next three to four years like you might not even be the best sec east team in tennessee uh in the next couple of years <laughs> you know um and, and the irony is the one coach who would still absolutely take that job for a normal price the university president told our friend blake topmeyer Oh, no, Hugh Freeze doesn't even need to apply for this job. Like, that's not even a thing that we would think about because you don't get to, despite, I can't believe we've gotten this far into this without talking about this. The best, the best moment in sports all year long will be Phil Fulmer saying at the press conference that Pruitt's recruiting was pretty good, right? I mean, I don't know how you top that. Yes. No, incredible. After they just fired him for committee recruiting violations. It's really, really remarkable. Amazing. Yeah. And Fulber, like, he, like, definitely paused, like, three words into the sentence and was like, oh, no, I probably shouldn't say this, but he just couldn't figure out what to do. And, yeah, very emblematic of everything It's like when you tip a glass of water over and you can see it falling and you know you should reach out and grab it, but you're just frozen. Yeah, that was that was Phil. I, I don't know that public speaking has ever necessarily been his strong point. I also don't know that athletic directing has ever been his strong point. So, I think I do know that it is not. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, really, I could do I could do a week's worth of shows just laughing at Tennessee. So, uh, Davin oh, Davin Harms is asking, do you think Mizzou would be worried about Tennessee players uh, that might have taken cash if they choose to transfer in? And this is really a question I think that that would be applicable to any school. I mean. If you're going to take one of these Tennessee players, you do kind of have to have assurances that they're going to be eligible, right? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I will say this, depending on the player, we know the speed at which NCAA investigations work. If a player has one or two years of eligibility left, there's no chance this is getting wrapped up in that time. Um, But yeah, you you at least have to, you know. I mean, I, I heard somebody saying the other day, like, Tennessee's already done a lot of the work for the NCAA here. They've already done their own That's investigation. True. These names have come up. There, there are players' names, I'm sure, in that in their report. Oh yeah. So, yeah. And, and the other thing is, I think, look, any coach, like the coaches that were on Tennessee staff, 
coaches in the SEC know those guys. And, like, it's not like Jeremy Pruitt and his entire staff is dead. So let's say a kid was choosing <laughs> to – I mean, like, figuratively, yes, but not literally. Um, but, like, let's say a Tennessee player was expressing interest in coming to Missouri – Somebody on Missouri staff can pick up the phone and call somebody on that Tennessee staff and say, look, this kid's looking at coming here. I know it's kind of weird, but like if we take him, do we have to be worried about NCAA stuff? You know, and I mean, I don't know if Jeremy Pruitt and his staff would be honest about it, but I would think that's a phone call you have to make. Sure. I say in your hypothetical situation, we're saying that whoever on Missouri staff is doing the calling is calling Shelton Felton, because I would just like to talk about the fact that there's a coach named Shelton Felton, on, just a human named Shelton Felton. Absolutely we, incredible. We, I'd we, like to meet him. We discussed that when I did the uh, podcast with Jay and Neil. Neil posed the question, if your last name was Felton, how many things would you think to name your son before you would name him Shelton? And I oh, said, zero. I would Shelton think of all the stick. names, like every name that is possibly a name would, I would just start picking things out. Frame, frame Felton. That that's better than Shelton. I'm, I'm, I might name my first child Shelton Felton <laughs> as Shelton. a first name and then a middle name and then 40. I want Felton to be the middle name. Yeah. Shelton Felton 40. That poor kid would get his ass beat at school a lot, <laughs> but you know, that's all right. Um, <laughs> Uh, Michael's wanting to know how many players Missouri gets from Tennessee. Look, I mean, they've only got four spots left. And and a lot of these, right. like Henry To'o, is that how you say his name? Something like that. I mean, he's yeah. going to have mm-hmm. 8 million offers. And I'm not saying oh, Missouri he, he will have be pick. one of them, yeah. but, you know, he's I, from. The only one that I think would even, Missouri would probably even spend time kicking the tires on is that Jameer Johnson kid, the, the offensive lineman who, yeah. Uh, Mizzou what? recruited him out of Juco. I think he took a visit and he, uh, you know, he, he started like 17 games at tackle. Mizzou needs a tackle. So I don't know. I think that's the only one I think, you know, even, but even he's, he's going to have, I mean, you're talking about a, you know, a guy who started over a full season already in the SEC. He's going to have no shortage of, uh, of people knocking on the door. What do you think? And, and I don't have any reason to believe this is a possibility, but what about Eric Gray? I mean, I, I think mean, you could use yeah, a transfer maybe, running back, and if there is a team who knows how Eric, how well Eric Gray can play, it would certainly be Missouri. That's true. That's true. I, I, I think it's possible. And, yeah, maybe you kick the tires there um, because, yeah, you know, I mean, there is certainly kind of a, a lack of a proven every down back, obviously, on Missouri's uh, roster right now. I just don't know if, you know, if you really are down to, you know, three, four spots – where that ranks in the priority. I mean, maybe. Right. Um, so I don't know. And, and I also don't know. I really, honestly, I don't know what kind of interest he will get. I assume pretty high. I mean, I thought he was very good, but yeah. again, I've only watched him play against Missouri when he has torched them at last his couple best. Years, yeah. So. Um, yeah. Michael also wants to know, is Chris Kiffin on the table or more looking toward Gibbs and Wilkes? I, I, again, we can only kind of speculate. Is he, I mean, I don't know. He was on that list that, that uh, football scoop put out there. It's possible. Here's here's what I've just kept going back to with Chris Kiffin, though. Like, even if the show cause was completely unwarranted, even if it was completely unfair to him, Missouri football is currently on probation, and Jim Sterk just doesn't seem like the kind of AD that's going to say, yeah, I'm good with us being the one that brings this guy back to the SEC. I, maybe I'm wrong, but that's my read on it. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I yeah I agree. And also, I just kind of, I still, you know, I get the sense that, like, 
you know, it doesn't seem like a lot of the other names besides David Gibbs on that football scoop list were really that serious of candidates. So why all of a sudden is that guy, but not the other two? I, I don't know. I uh, don't want to delve too far into the hypothetical of, of motivations behind lists and whatnot. Oh, but, I, uh, I kind of I, I mean, okay, go ahead. no, clearly that was a list that was like, yeah, I don't know. Let's put out a list because like our fans will get excited. People will think something's happening, but we don't want to put out the list, right? Um, we might, we might throw you a little Easter egg here. Everybody knows Gibbs is on the list, so that's no harm. There. Right. I mean, and, you, you had to make it look somewhat legitimate. Right. And maybe Kiffin is that guy that like, yeah, he's legitimately in the conversation here. We're not saying it's impossible, but my impression is, look, here's, I, I think I've used this line so many times over the years, the, the, uh, editor of the Washington post back with the whole Watergate thing and all the president's men was asked one time, like, how often do you lie? And he said, we lie every day because we just write what people tell us. I mean, every time something gets up, people have this, this misconception that, like, Eli Drinkwitz just picks up the phone and tells us things. That, like, hey, guys, here's what happened today. Like, we just have a nightly call, and Eli kind of lets us in on what's going on. And, and that's just That'd not how it works. Like, way, if we could get that going. Yeah, most things they kind of don't want us to find out. And so if something does come out that pretty clearly had to have come from someone inside the program, like, there's a reason it comes out. I mean— everyone, Every time you read a quote from a press conference— I mean, like Rick Barnes the other night. He was clearly sending a message to his team. I think you guys suck, and I want you to suck less next time we play. So I'm going to destroy you in this interview, and everybody's going to read about it, and they're going to know how mad I am at you, and that's hopefully going to make you play better next time. So in this case, when a list gets out in the middle of a, a coaching search, there in a lot of cases, when a list like that gets out, in a lot of cases, like, Somebody pretty clearly planted that list. That didn't come from four different places, right? Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. And 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 now now I know people are thinking, well, then how do we know Steve Wilkes is real, or how do we know that any you know, like look at how we found out about Drinkwitz last year, right? We hunted down a plane that was sitting in Indiana, and people do talk. Yeah. Like the the person involved in a coaching search will tell somebody else who will tell a friend who will tell a reporter. That's how things generally happen. But also a lot of the coaching information actually ends up usually coming from the other side, right? Because the program mm -hmm. looking to hire someone doesn't really want it out there. But the guy who is looking to get hired doesn't mind at all telling somebody, hey, FYI, man, I'm interviewing at Missouri tomorrow. So, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you with my uh, – with my rant there. No, you're good. But yeah. So Chris Kiffin, anyway, he's, he's, they're probably hiring him tomorrow, right? Yeah. I mean, it's possible he's the, the third candidate. And it is worth pointing out that, like, he is the one person, um, you know, who's kind of been talked about where it's like if he were hired, he wouldn't need a defensive line coach. Right. Because he would probably do that because he's always coached defensive line. But, uh, I, I, I mean, I feel like it's probably not super likely at this point. Yeah, I, I still think – I still would put Steve Wilkes as candidate one, in my opinion. And it's, look, it's semi-informed, but it's not complete. Again, Eli did not call us and say, here's the list and here's the order. In fact, 
I attempted to ask, and I was rebuffed in getting that list. Same. So. I saw him at the basketball game last night in the concession line. He wouldn't tell me, just so you all know. Was he Tried. in the Andy's line, Dickie's barbecue line? Or? Actually, I, I was in the concession line, and he was walking by. So, okay. Okay. yeah, I was just 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 hanging out with the hoi polloi, trying to get myself a, a caffeinated beverage. <laughs> For $10. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, Mitchell has a uh, Mitchell Bennett has a basketball question. I, I'm not sure it's actually a question, but um, I legit think Mark Smith should not dribble the ball. If he puts it on the floor, it's a 50% chance there's a turnover. I, I mean, I, I understand the sentiment. Um, at some point, he's going to have to dribble, but I do think the dribble should be limited. I agree. He actually did a pretty good job last night, I thought. He, uh, he drew a couple fouls. He ran the floor well. Um, you know, he, you don't want him running the break necessarily, but, you know, it's kind of a, uh, an option to, to, you know, streak down the floor and try to get behind the defense for a pass. But yeah, I mean, his value is, you know, mostly as a, as a three point shooter and Missouri needs him to be that. And it's, you know, it's not really a coincidence last night. They shot their second best percentage from three from the season when he shot well. Uh, in fact, I went back and looked and in their last, in the three times Missouri has, is broken 30%, been better than 30% from three, which incredible that they're nine and two and have only shot right. better than 30% from three in three games. He has made well over 50% of the three pointers in those yeah. games. I, yeah. that, I would, I think it's something like between and, 60 and 70%. And made three of the five last night. Um, yeah. So right. uh, Aaron with another basketball question is Tillman earning some money with this latest stretch. Could he become draftable? I, I still think to be drafted, Jeremiah would have to be able to show people. Now, maybe he could do it in workouts, but I think he'd have to be able to show him in a game that he can make an 18-foot jumper, and it's just not something Missouri really allows. I don't want to say allows because Conzo gives some guys a green light, but, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw Tillman take a shot more than four feet from the basket. Right, which is good for this team. Right, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I – you know, is he earning himself some money? Sure. Um, I could see him and I'm not a scout by any means. This is, you know, very much a guess, but like, I could see a possibility of, you know, getting G league looks, maybe even a two way offer, um, you know, at some point where you're on both kind of a G league and NBA team. That's a thing these days. Mm -hmm. um, he, he does some things really well. Like he, he, I mentioned earlier, he runs the floor. Well, he moves his feet pretty well for his size. He's, he's been gotten better at that defensively. Um, I mean, he's just, he's really, he's athletic and he's rebounding much better. He's, his rebounding this year has been really impressive. I, I mean, he was never a very good rebounder. Right. Um, so that's all important things you want in a big, but like, A, the, you know, there's just not a high demand for, you know, 6'10 true post players in the NBA anymore. I mean, each team carries like one, maybe two. Um, and, and B, like you said, you know, he, he, he doesn't really have that, that jump shot element to his game. So, and, and you know, I mean, it's weird to say he's almost old because I think he's, he's like right. 20, 21 or 22. But like he's not like someone who you say, oh, he's got a much more years left so we can develop him for two or three. And then, you know, maybe gets more out of him, you know, so he's, um, he's, I, I would guess he's probably not getting drafted. He's we'll kind see. of a finished product at this point, because, yeah, it, 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 you are. If you play four years in college, it is almost frowned upon now. And look, I don't watch a lot of NBA, but when I do, like, I think people underestimate the skill level. I mean there are six ten dudes in the NBA who are shooting 40% from three-point range, which is three feet beyond the college three-point line. You know, I mean, these guys are – I mean, Dirk Nowitzki was 6'10". 
You know, and I'm not saying yeah. everybody has to. I understand Dirk's a Hall of Famer, but Durant's like six nine. You know, and and oh, I know he's like six eleven. Is he six? Is he yeah. that big? Okay, I but so. I know we're talking yeah. about obviously two of the like greatest players in the last fifty years or whatever. But so not everybody's that. But like the the last guy I can really think of, and and again I don't watch the NBA, so I don't really know. But like, how's Bobby Portis doing? Any idea? Kid from Arkansas a couple no, of years yeah. ago. I mean, you think he's still in the league? I don't I haven't heard much of him from as far as a relevancy standpoint. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out real quick because like that kid was he was was he a first round draft pick? Yeah, I think he was yeah. even like not lottery, but close. Maybe yeah. even lottery. I mean, top twenty, I thought. So, so Bobby Portis is averaging eleven points and eight rebounds a game. Like he's he's playing pretty well. Pretty good. But I I think he is a, like on January thirteenth at the Pistons, he took four three pointers. You know, so like again, he's he's got some more range, and and that's just not something. I don't. I want to see Jeremiah do it. I would love him to start launching a bunch of threes. I think it'd be really cool. But I don't think he would be allowed to stay on the floor very long. Um, yeah. So the the one piece of news we haven't talked about is the uh, the commitment of Makai Miller, which happened this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and A H Y Law. I don't know where the uh, syllable break or, or how I'm supposed to pronounce that is, but says with football's emphasis on St. Louis, have you gotten any indications that KC coaches and players are feeling like they're not being taken as seriously? Uh, P.S. I like the Miller commit. And and I want to say, I actually did uh, get a text from a guy I know in Kansas city who uh, is around a, a lot of high school football and stuff. And it, earlier today, he said, Makai Miller, he thinks he is really legit. He's a guy that, I think Missouri feels like can play all over the field, can play a number of different spots. But um, look, I, I mean, if there were a bunch of kids who were signing Power Five letters of intent that didn't have Missouri offers from Kansas City, then maybe Kansas City would feel ignored. But there aren't. When there are high level players, Missouri is offering them. So that's all you can mm-hmm. do. I mean, St. Louis just the last five to ten years has just had a lot more players yeah yeah i mean like drinkwitz did say you know at early signing day something along the lines of like you know i thought we made some good inroads for most of the state need to do a little bit better in the kansas city area and he did say you know they have the players we just gotta build some better bonds but for the most part yeah i mean like i can't think of you know uh, really many players from that area who are you know missouri didn't offer like you said who went to power five school or who went to places missouri like definitely should have beat um you know i know there was that offensive lineman who went to iowa and like you know that's maybe on par with missouri but uh, i think he maybe had family ties or had visited there like 17 times or something like that so i don't know yeah i mean like it's good though it's certainly you know you want to be able to to kind of build up a little pipeline they have two um commits in this 2022 class from the casey area that tied in from lee summit as well um and they hadn't had one since daniel parker dom jacinto so it had been a minute um so yeah all right uh dan door asked mitch i'm interested to know if you're going to get this reference uh if we hire wilkes do you think he could do his show from columbia or bring jerry springer in for an appearance do you understand the yeah, reference? I, I mean no i really don't okay i know i, I know who jerry springer is okay so but that's about it <laughs> when the jerry springer show was a thing like he had his like security guy because the whole point of the show was like these trashy people are going to get in a fight and so his big, mm-hmm. bald, bulky security guy was named Steve Wilkos, and then he eventually got his uh, own show. And so, um, yeah, Dan, it's it, it, 
it, it landed with me. I will say that. Um, that makes sense, actually, now, because as I was Googling Steve Wilkes recently, Steve Wilkos popped up first. Perfect. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm on board. You know what? They should actually hire Steve Wilkos for at least one game when Florida comes to town. Dan Mullen ain't messing with Steve Wilkos, man. I mean, That's that guy. That's true. That's true. That wow. guy. Hit, Good idea. Yeah. You got Steve Wilkos and Markel Lutz. He's coming back for another season. Missouri wins that fight. <laughs> I mean, Dan Mullen is staying on his own sideline in that game. Get him like a get him like an off the field role. You got plenty of spots, you know, some sort of a- analyst for fight control or something like that. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, Dalton Barker uh, says someone on Power Mizzou compared Eli's situation with Dabo at Clemson in terms of both being young offensive coaches, and mentioned how Dabo hired Kevin Steele and then Brent Venables as defensive coordinator. It's a big hire for Drink. Um, yeah, I mean they're both young offensive coaches. Uh, I would, I, I hesitate to say that, you know, Missouri is going to become Clemson. I don't really even know how to wade into that question without just saying something <laughs> hyperbolic or without being accused of, you know, but, but yes, it is a big hire. He is mostly an offensive guy. I, I think it's fair to say that he is almost hiring somebody to be a head coach of half the team, right? Yeah, I kind of think so. I mean, he's, you know, he's been, um, and, and all I can base it off is us, our, our press conferences, our Zoom conferences with him, but he's been pretty willing to talk about the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, probably more willing than Barry Odom was to talk about the offensive side of the ball. But clear, it's clear, like, you know, he's made it clear, you know, he the, the defensive coordinator has full control of the defense. Uh, at times in the, the uh, fall camp Zoom, say, I remember him talking about the defense as them and the offense as us. So, um, you know, yeah. I mean, like, it, this is a, certainly for an offensive head coach, it is an important hire. Yeah, and and, uh, and that's not necessarily unusual. I mean, you know, Barry Odom did the same thing. He hired Josh Heupel to basically right. run the offense. Said, yeah, I, that's your thing, run it. And and I'm not saying Drinkwitz isn't involved at all, but you know, um, certainly he is much more uh, involved offensively. Apparently, Kentucky got beat to jo- by Georgia with 1.3 seconds left. That should be fantastic tweeting from the Kentucky media. I've noticed they're not handling this particularly well. In the tweets I've seen, no one, no one, in the, no one in the Commonwealth is handling it particularly well, except Louisville fans, right? And, but, yeah. and Louisville fans and media have their own issue of handling things well, so you know, yeah. But um, I, I once again want to encourage everyone to follow as many Kentucky and Louisville writers as you can because it's just—I don't know where the sniping comes from, but I think the writers might hate each other more than the teams. So <laughs> that's that's how it's always. I don't know, man. It's it's a it's a it's a brutal rivalry. It is. Sometime when we're more bored, I can we can have Louisville yeah. Kentucky rivalry story time from my youth. Okay, perfect, perfect. Uh, sounds like an off season show. Uh, Tony Rains wants yeah. Coach Kuligowski back. I, look, I I don't think it's very likely. <laughs> I mean, Gary Pinkle's not the head coach here anymore. I'm not sure Cool has real fond memories of the way things ended here. Um. You know, I, I don't think it's going to happen. That's uh, Yeah, no, I'm going to go ahead and say he, uh, yeah, not a not a realistic candidate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ron wants to know if we're hoping Clay Travis gets the final word again on the new hire. And I said that, yeah, in my mailbag. I said 100%. I hope that Clay Travis and Vault Twitter get to hire the coach. Right. I don't know if, yeah, if he needs, the, if I want him to get the final word, I just want him to, yeah, stir everyone up and just, yeah, absolutely make it all go sideways again. I mean, he basically got an athletic director fired last time. Um, yes. And then 
Jeremy Pruitt hired. So yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I, I would very much like it to, uh, yeah, to go all haywire again and last like four or five weeks. Yeah. You know, um, get us through a lot of off season. Again, the, 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 my world, my, and if I'm being honest, I don't really care about the rest of your world. My world is better <laughs> when Tennessee is hiring a football coach. So I, I am uh, completely here for it. So Missouri has uh, four commitments now after Makai Miller jumped on board. They will. They have room for anywhere between zero and twenty-one more next year. I mean, with, like literally, no one knows. I was talking to somebody at another school today, um, uh, who covers another school, and he said they've already got like six or seven commitments, but they had like five blue shirts last year, so they've already filled eleven or twelve spots in this class. But the NCAA hasn't made any decision on what eligibility is going to be next year, so like. Nobody really knows if they have room for kids. Yeah, it's a disaster. And that's what we, we talked about that. You talked about it a lot when, you know, the decision was made to do this extra year of eligibility. On down the line, it's going to cost recruits spots. And uh, we're going to start seeing that in the, the class of 2022 and probably through about 2024, 2025. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Defensive coordinator could be as soon as tomorrow. Um, I don't know. It could have happened while we were doing this show. It will happen, I'm oh, assuming, at the worst possible time. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, actually, uh, I, I was almost pleasantly surprised it didn't happen during last night's basketball game because that would have just yeah. made a lot of sense. A hundred percent. If The only rule, once again, if it happens between 540 and 9 o'clock on Sunday night, Mitchell will cover it. Um, I will find <laughs> out sometime thereafter. Unless Chad Henney starts, then I'll probably be able to walk away and, uh, <laughs> and help you with coverage. Um, uh, basketball at Tennessee on Saturday, at Auburn on Tuesday. So we will do shows for that. Um, I don't know. I feel like we've we've kind of covered all the bases and we've answered all the questions and Bob Douglas finally commented. So I feel like the show is now complete, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good to see Bob's doing all right. I feel like we've uh, yeah hit on everything we need to hit on. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't end the show before Bob Douglas shows up. But now that Bob Douglas has shown up, we can end the show. So um, kind of a meandering show, but hopefully you guys learned something. If you didn't learn anything. I don't know. Hopefully you find us amusing or something like that. At least enough to uh, at least enough to hit the like button on the show. Go visit five, seven, three T's and buy a T-shirt in in our honor. Um, just do those things. We're happy. Thanks for stopping by and uh, we will catch up. Plenty of stuff happening in the next few days.